I think at one point he does talk about the mayhem incident. Yeah. Because he's like talking with a, uh, he's talking with a, somebody in like a Norwegian death metal band. Yeah. And every time he talks to this dude, the guy just takes a sip of wine and he just says, Satan. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. And I, I've seen that. Yeah. And Sam is like looking at the camera like, okay. Uh, so what's your next album about? And he says, the devil. man what's going on how's it going evan it's going pretty okay i'm kind of just chilling i woke up like an hour ago now i'm sitting in my chair dude same i literally woke up at 11 and was like oh yeah i got that podcast i got to do today that keeps getting fucking rescheduled which i am so sorry about that every time we'd like come right down to the the wire be like oh shit i've got something else i gotta do but yeah dude it's good to meet you i've uh i think we've been facebook friends for a minute i've known that you were in the band triguna is that how you say that or is there like a certain way to say that no, it's pronounced. You're actually one of the few people that's pronounced it correctly. How do people normally pronounce it? People pronounce it Triguana, and I don't know how they get the second A. But what? Like I've had like three people pronounce it Triguana. Like before, like they're like, "Oh, stay around for Triguana." Like at a show. Oh no, they did that live, dude. I've had people do that shit. It's like, all right, that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're just like sitting backstage, like, all right, that's I appreciate that. Thanks. When was your guys' last show? I mean, I haven't. That's a. Are you guys like on hiatus right now? No, we actually we played in March uh, at Reggie's. We played with Vale of Noth and Gorod. Oh, all right. I didn't know you guys. Uh, shit, that was like one of the last. Shows, yeah, <laughs> that was, yeah, that was like right before all this shit went down. How are you staying busy, man? I mean, I know you've got resuscitate and triguna, triguana, <laughs> and uh, how are like how, are you just fucking writing music? I know that you do a lot, but how are you just staying busy? Pretty much just writing music. I mean, for resuscitate, I've been working on a bunch of uh, EPs. I have five EPs planned for this year, so I've been hammering those out do you write like for resuscitate do you write everything drums bass guitar everything yeah i do all of that dude that's right can you play drums bass guitar yeah drums was my first instrument i picked that up when i was around 10 and then guitar i've been playing for maybe five years um and bass i i mean as much as a guitarist can play bass pretty much sure the root notes and add a few flares here and there. Yeah. That's me. Anytime I pick up my bass player shit, I'm just like, yeah, all right. I know where things are supposed to go, but I don't know how to make it sound cool on a bass. I've never actually, I, have we met at shows past? Because if so, I'm sorry, but I don't think that we have. I don't believe so, no. Yeah, I was going to say, I think this is the first time that we talked. Uh, I was actually trying to get, you know, Joe Cacharo, right? Yeah. He edits all the podcasts and he sometimes will flow, he'll be like, hey, you should have, you know, this band on or you should do this or whatever. He hit me up a couple, probably like, a, probably around the same, actually, the, whatever the same day was that I hit you up. 
He's like, dude, you got to get this dude, Evan, on. He's in two of these really sick bands. So I, I, I checked him out. I gravitated so hard towards Resuscitate. Triguna's super good. I just like that playthrough of what was for Resuscitate. I was just like sitting there like, damn, this is a fucking bop. Like, this, <laughs> like, this needs to be put out. This is really good. Thank you, man. How long does it take you to write all this? If you're just doing it by yourself. Well, I wrote the first EP, What Was. I wrote that over the summer of 2018 up until... I think I started writing it in like May. I wrote three songs. Then I kind of just like dropped it because I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue. And then in like November, I finished it and put it out in December. Is this just going to be an internet project or are you eventually going to start looking for people to fill slots to play shows? I mean, right now it's just kind of a, a solo project. But um, once I finish like this year, like once I get all the releases out I have planned, uh, I'm working on getting a live lineup together. But I'm not sure how that's going to work out. But it's something that I hope to do. I mean, you got buddies that can play all the songs? Just fuck, hey, you guys want to rip a gig? Oh, yeah, totally. I have I have plenty of people that have, like, messaged me or said that they're willing to help out. So I'm not—it's not really people that it's a problem. It's more like equipment. Because if I want to do it, I want to do it right. Right, yeah. You want to run, make sure everything's being run properly and— all the channels are exactly the way you want them. Somebody comes on with some whack-ass yeah. distortion totes. Like, no, dude. Yeah. I've never been in a band like that. I've never been like in a solo project where I'm just dishing out, you know, as much content as you are. Are you eventually trying to get Resuscitate to be like a full band where you have like permanent members and you're just doing kind of like how El Famous, is, you know, El Famous? Yeah. Kind of like how what they do where it's Kevin writes like a huge majority of the music, you know, and then the rest of them, they all just play as a live band. Are, are you kind of like doing that? Or is this truthfully just kind of meant more to be an internet project with a few shows maybe here and there? I mean, the ultimate goal is to kind of like a Nine Inch Nails type thing where I write and record everything on my own, but then I do tours down the road. Oh, okay. That'd be fun. I'm sure it's probably not that bad. I've never done it, but like touring with like total strangers, like in the same vehicle. Yeah. I guess by that point, you know, you'd be pretty much a pro at it. They probably have been doing it if they're touring musicians, but no, dude, that's awesome. Does Joe do any of your like production recording or is this all done by you? Like all on the production? It's all done by me. I usually, I've gone to Joe, not for like services, but just like to get feedback on a mix that I'm working on. Yeah. All the recording and mixing and mastering is done by me. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. All in house. Keep it that way. Same with Triguna. Triguna is done uh, Triguna I don't really consider it to be my band because Jeremy York he's uh, the guitarist he's kind of the band leader mm -hmm. so he writes all the music and he manages the money and I kind of just play drums oh shit alright so you, do you ever like come to the table with like hey I was fucking around with this riff that we on the song we've been working on you guys want to try it not really i mean i or is he just like nope this is what we're doing it's kind of a mix honestly because sometimes like he's really anal about wanting to do things a certain way and that's not a bad thing obviously like that's how i would be if resuscitate was a full band but like i respect that it's it's his band so i i'm not one to like come in and be like hey no i want to do this instead so are you an original member or were you i joined in 2016 the band formed in 2012 okay so this band's been going at it for a hot minute. Yeah. Damn, dude, bands are always looking for drummers. You could uh, you could make a kill in doing that. Be a studio drummer. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, one of my plans, actually. 
Dude, uh, when we went out, we went out to this EP that we're currently putting out. We went out uh, to record it without a drummer, and we hired a session guy. And uh, that when he's not touring and doing other stuff, that he's just doing session work for people. You make hundreds of dollars a day. You know, you, I mean, you set your own prices depending on who's asking you. Oh yeah, totally. It's a good gig to get into, and everybody, everybody's always looking for a drummer. Like you could be a session guitar player, or bass player, and you know, you could do pretty good if you know the right people. But like everybody's always looking for a sick fucking drummer to be able to do what they need to do. Yeah. Because I think that uh, if your drummer's fucking weak, you got nothing. Yeah, that's totally true. If the backbone of your band is, you know, flimsy paper mache, you're fucked. So people will pay good money for a good studio drummer, even a touring drummer. Shit. Uh, do you know, do you remember the band Contra? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know who Kevin Thomas is? The name rings a bell, but I don't know exactly who it is. He's a good friend of mine. Uh and we, he was in a band called Contra, uh, and uh, he's he was their vocalist, but he uh, is a drummer like at heart, just naturally. So uh, he was before he moved to Chicago, he was out in L.A. Mm-hmm. living out there doing studio work and shit like that. But uh, he was a touring drummer, dude. He'd make like five hundred bucks a night to go out like for a week or two. I was like, God damn, like <laughs> holy shit. That would be amazing. Oh, yeah. Drummers get paid, like, because everybody needs a drummer. Yeah. Fucking good at any music social media page. It's just everyone. Drummer? Drummer? I need a drummer for this. I need a drummer for that. Throw your name in there. Do what Matt Lathan does and just join every single band that you possibly can. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen that because, like, uh, he recently joined Fleshburner, too. It's ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) But, no, I was literally scrolling through Facebook one day. And I just saw Flushburner. I knew uh, Ricky. I think he's the bass player. Um, I've known who he was for a couple of years. So I mm-hmm. just caught a glance at him. And then like I happened to just, I literally just happened to kind of glaze over the photo. And I looked and I saw Lathan. I was like, he's in another fucking band? Yeah, he's in like four or five bands now. It's ridiculous. He's in three. So he's in, uh, oh my God. Capital Vices Man, and Bind the Sacrifice. Bind the Sacrifice. Yeah, and now Flushburner. I just totally, <laughs> I just totally planked Capital Vices. Yes, um, yeah. I, I don't know, dude. I tried to do two bands. It, it was just a really brief like side project thing that I was just gonna do, like an internet thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's hard to find the time. Like if you got two bands that are really, like Jesus, like if you have two bands that are really going for it, holy yeah. shit! I don't know how you split your time. Yeah, I don't know how he does that. Like, it's different when you have, like, a small side project that doesn't really do shows, but, like, Bind and Capital Vices and Fleshburner all do shows pretty frequently. Matt's pretty good about that, though. He's, you know, he's pretty good about making sure that he's got his ducks in a row. I mean, shit, he goes to school, too. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Oh, dude, it's such a weird... uh funny story about Lathan. So they did, we just did like a little small two day run. I don't, it's not even a run. Like we literally just did two shows in two days. Uh, one in Chicago and then one in Wisconsin. And, uh, they spent the night at my house between the two shows. So, uh, (laughs) party get all fucked up. Uh, and my brother was hanging out with us and Matt Lathan's last name got said, cause they all call him Lathan in capital. They're all like Lathan. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, my brother starts talking to him and it, and it comes out that uh, because Matt's dad's a uh, college professor at one of the community colleges, my brother had this like 
horrible experience with this one teacher. I remember this too. Like the, the basically long story short, my brother had to go to an art museum, take a picture of something like abstract and then bring it in. And the professor said that it was like fake, that the picture wasn't, that he didn't actually go to the museum. Cause that was part of the, the, the deal. <laughs> so it was this big thing where Ian had, to, my brother had to get like, uh, <laughs> oversight from the Dean and to, you know, to verify that he actually went and he had to call the museum. It was a big fucking deal. And so it comes out that late, that was Lathan's dad. And so we just, all really? started, yeah. I, it, so we just all started dying. It was so funny. Cause Lathan's just like, dude, <laughs> cause like we're hearing it from my brother's point of view, like all his frustrations and, and how he's dealing with the whole situation. And then at that, like fucking three years later, Lathan's telling it, he's like, dude, my dad was so, he's like, <laughs> he's like, I'll just pass the kid. I don't give a shit at this point. So that's hilarious. It was just, yeah, it was, it was so funny. Such a small world. Uh, but Lathan's good people. I need to have those guys back on the podcast. I had both bind and capital on here. Mm-hmm. Both were really good times. It sucks that I got to do this over the phone too. I like this whole coronavirus thing is really taking out. Like, don't get me wrong. I love staying at home. I love working from home. Uh, I'm probably going to, Oh yeah, totally. I'm probably going to become a home. I mean, dude, I've just been playing like call of duty and, and doing work like, <laughs> so it's great for that aspect, but literally every other aspect, my band's release is being pushed back like a full month and a half. And we had to, uh, go through a whole bunch of different changes. The, uh, I can't do podcasts in person, obviously. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad I'm able to do this over the phone and I'm really mm-hmm. hyped for when I can actually have people be here. Cause I think it's a lot more fun to be kind of in person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but oh, well, I mean, I, I just hope that, uh, this shit really does get solved by the beginning of summer because, if uh, the plan is, is if our EP release show can pop off in middle of summer, then, you know, if it does get the green light, which so far, uh, that'll be like one of the only shows that happen over the summer. Cause like big tours aren't happening. Yeah. There are no big concerts or shows. They've even said that it's a good chance that that shit won't come back until the fall of fucking 2021 next year. Yeah. That's ridiculous. So I know that Trig, at least Triguna, Triguana, <laughs> I, I'm not going to, it's going to be hard to not deliberately call it that. Um, I mean, I know you guys just put out uh, Candied Lemons, right? Wasn't that it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, explain that name. All right. So, um, or is it, is that like a funny name that has like a really deep, like <laughs> hardcore meaning significance to it? No, it literally, it's kind of like a dance Gavin dance type thing. It has nothing to do with sure. anything. Okay. Like, sure. It was kind of just like a, we didn't know what to name the album. Uh, we had a song called Candied Lemons just because why not? Okay. Why not? Yeah. So uh, Jeremy decided he wants that to be the album name. That's fucking sick. All right. Uh, where's, I mean, where's the rest of your band? They could have absolutely hopped on or do they not have the capabilities to record themselves? Uh, they don't necessarily have the ability to record themselves now. Bummer. It's a lot easier to have like one person on like over the phone again like this is a huge problem with <laughs> not a huge problem just a kind of a minor setback of having to do this over the phone is uh i just had the band archers on like last weekend or two weekends ago 
And they had two of them and it mm-hmm. went pretty well, but like I've had people where we do phone conversations with three people. And if you've ever been in like a group phone conversation, it's a fucking nightmare because nobody knows. Oh when yeah. It's a total mess. Nobody knows when they're going to start talking. So it's just like, yeah. And uh, Oh no. Yeah. No, you go ahead. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. Like it's, it's just like fucking an hour and a half of that. But uh, two people is usually like a really good combination. You can kind of get a feel for it a little bit, but uh, dude, I've had three people on over the phone. It's like, holy shit, this isn't working. Yeah. Oh, well, doesn't really matter. I'm, uh, I'm cruising along anyway. Arabella's just been writing music. Like we have like a, f- not, a not a full EP, but like f- I think five or six songs just like written out, structured the way we want them to. And just, I mean, what else is there to do? I could play I could play Call of Duty for eight hours a day, but at some point I'm gonna get bored. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's why I kind of just like do everything on my own because then I could just do that while I'm at home. Right, you can just focus and figure it out. Are you uh Are you like could find home? Or are you an essential worker? Uh, I work at McDonald's, so oh, right on. <laughs> yeah, I'm considered essential. That sucks. It's it's not the best, but you know, you're still making money at least. Uh, at least a little bit. They keep cutting my hours. Oh my god, yeah, that's Jesus, dude. That sucks. I would. Uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not fun. Not want any part of that bullshit. Um, are you kind of like a gear snob? I was just kind of looking at the guitar you were using in uh, your what was playthrough. I can't tell what that is though. Uh, that's. Uh, a Harley Benton seven string. It's that was like the first seven string that I owned. So, I mean, it's not the best, but uh, I don't really have any like phenomenal guitars yet. I've noticed. I mean, it's not really a metal band thing, but like I see the idiocy levels in metal bands, just like way. Oh, one hundred, one hundred percent. Like a lot of other bands. Like my, people will come hang around my band thinking that like. I don't know if I don't know what they think, but I'm sure that when they leave, they're like, "Yo, those dudes are fucking weird. Let's not do that again." Oh yeah, but then you hang out with like the endostalgia guys, <laughs> dude. Uh, they practice in our practice space. Although, I, yeah, I yeah, I, I I go there quite often, dude. What you go to the Loud Feather? Yeah, I hang out with the Endo Boys dude, pretty that's, often. That's fucking sick. You have to. Uh, we're literally downstairs. Um, Oh yeah, you are from like Algonquin, aren't you? You're like right up there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. Um, we practice in room two. Uh, actually, it's Endo. It's Endo's old room. Oh hell yeah! Before they moved upstairs, their room is super dope. I love mm-hmm. their room. I just would hate to have to lug that shit up and downstairs. And those stairs suck. Yeah, that's got to be a pain. I, I would fucking hate that. Um, that's got to be a total pain. I haven't seen them do much. I know they're kind of on a hiatus after uh, they booted Brad, but um, yeah, they were a fun band. I booked them on a show uh, about a year ago. Actually, no, it was uh, this past summer. It was in August. It was pretty cool. I was booking shows over a wire, um, but uh, they came out and played a really dope show. And uh, they're just a super, like, raw metal band. Mm-hmm. I was really digging that about them. So I hope they figure it out and they come back because uh, they were a cool band. Yeah. Shout out to Nostalgia. 
Oh, I'm pretty sure they're working on new stuff right now. Yeah, I was uh, I was talking to Eric not too long ago. I hit him up every now and then because I mean, they were down. They they used to be down, like I'm right next to Dave, like David Aletta's room. You know them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm right next to David Aletta's room, so we would always hang out. Endo would come down. Leo would come out, hang out. Uh, you know, we'd all be down there. But now that Endo's up there, they're never. I, I rarely see them come down and hang out. Yeah. Where does, uh, where does Draguna practice? Does somebody have like a house you guys can? We used to practice in my parents' basement for, I'd say three years. Uh, but over the summer, we recently moved into this factory that just had an open office that we turned into our practice space. Done that. I have done that. Literally that. That's funny, dude. Uh, does like one of the guys parents own it do you guys like how do you guys uh jeremy's neighbor owns the factory uh for like his shipping company and he just said yeah go nuts yeah oh dude that's awesome talk about lucking out i would love to have a free practice do you guys do you guys pay anything oh no we, we pay for it but oh you pay for it okay for sure that makes sense uh how late can you, do you guys have like, can you just be there all hours of the night? We can pretty much be there as long as we want. I mean, only Jeremy has the key, which is what kind of sucks. Um, but I mean, we only really practice when he's there anyway, because we don't get anything done without him. <laughs> Orb of confusion is just flipped on high when your band leader's not there. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> I've been there. I think everybody has. You just have those fucking, just have those moments. Yeah. Like just <laughs> the other four guys leave one guy out and just mm-hmm. fucking chimps. Um, dude, honestly, once this whole coronavirus shit ends, I hope that uh I mean I hope that I can see you guys out a little bit more now that I actually have talked to you and know who you are. Yeah. Uh I feel like I I'm like trying to scroll through your Facebook, see if I've like recognized any show flyers. I don't. Where do you guys usually play at? You guys just uh well, up until like I would say September, we were a Penny Road pub band. <laughs> so that was kind of our thing. Um hate that venue so fucking much. Yeah. It is the worst. Uh, it's not the worst, but it's is bad. It's pretty shitty. I, oh yeah. I, I don't usually say that about venues, but mm-hmm. like Fuck Penny Road Bob. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, it's like, I'm in another band. We're a grunge band. We're called Green Easter. Um, and I play bass in that band. And we play, like, Penny Road Pub, but we're not, like, trying to do anything, like, spectacular. We just play shows for our friends, and we usually have, like, 30 people come. So, like, oh, Penny, Road, Penny Road is good for that because, like, it's close to home. So, like, sure. But sorry, I didn't mean to like totally shit on your. No, no, that's totally under like, like for what a, like a a touring band or a band that's actually trying to like make music outside of their local scene. Like that's mm-hmm. totally like Penny Road Pub fucking sucks. Yeah, we we dude we played. I, I told this story a few times on the podcast, but we've played with Capsize before they got me tooed. That was actually right. That was about a year before they got me tooed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was Capsize and like three local bands actually do you remember uh frequencies but like not the lineup they have now it was uh 
they still had Nathan as their drummer, but a bunch of other people. I don't even know who Frequencies is. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) moving on. Uh, And then there was another band, I think, Bring the Fallout. Yeah, that had that was actually Kevin Avola's uh, old band. Shout out one time, uh, and then us. Um, and I've never, ever heard a front of house mix that poorly <laughs> in my life. It was uh, what was coming through the what was coming through the monitors was drums and vocals. Guitars were not coming through the uh, front of house. At all. They yeah. weren't even in our wedges. And then uh, he couldn't figure out the vocal volumes. So right, like whole middle of our set, you just have mine and Chris's vocals <laughs> going really down and then way up and then really down. It was just like going like that. And it was, I mean, all over the place. And he did this to every band. Uh, mm-hmm. And even before our set, I've never done this and I've never done this since I walked up to him and I've, I offered him like 20 bucks. I was like, dude, could you please mix us properly? And he was like, (laughs) and he was like, I'll do my best. I mean, he like looked at the money and like, it was a really uncomfortable situation, but there were a lot of people there. And I was like, for some, like there was a shitload of people there, you know? Yeah. And I was like, if the, if the sound was, if that, was fixed that basement down there would be the shit like the coolest fucking punk rock shit like show venue ever that would be the yeah tits. so we get up there and it's just it's just a fucking train wreck and oh yeah we get off and capsize had their uh you know they had their sound guy with them that tried his best but even they sounded like dog shit i was like what is wrong with this venue so really, I've had like I've had shows there where it sounded fucking amazing, but I've also had shows there where it just sounds like shit. Like I think it's just really hit or miss. I think it's all dependent upon whoever's running sound for the night. It seems because I've also yeah. heard that there are good, you know, there were good sounding shows there. I mean, shit, back in the day, Vale of Maya and Club Morale and Born of Osiris used to yeah. play fucking just loady do shows there and sell that little place out. I mean, shit, that's a that's about a hundred cap venue, probably a hundred, maybe a yeah. hundred and fifty. But uh, you get the right bands in there, you can sell it out. It just needs to be able to have the proper sound and you can make that a Mm -hmm. killer fucking venue. But I just feel like whoever's in charge of it either doesn't care. They had another, like, you know, you remember, uh, maybe, how old are you? I'm 20. You're 20? Do you remember hearing or have you ever heard, like, way back in the day, these people do not work here anymore. Um, Way back in the day, the security, like, beat the shit out of a band or like a couple of guys in a band called uh, Arkham and it got them like a really bad rat. That was a, that was a big deal. Uh, fire those guys obviously, but just, I don't know. Uh, they actually, I think they just recently had some kind of not like beating the shit out of somebody, but they had like some other thing happen recently. I think, I don't know. So I don't want to say it, but, uh, you know, I was just like, dude, your venue is dope. Like aesthetically, it's amazing. Just get your shit together and you can have some cool fucking shows. Yeah, totally. So I don't know. That's that's my two whole two cents on the matter. Cause I like playing the big shows, like the big, like, you know, five hundred cap rooms with the 
you know, professional mm-hmm. sound guy and the, you know, the, the lights and everything like that. Big stage, tons of room. That's fun. But like, I don't know, dude, something about like intimate punk shows like that, where people are just like right in your face. Like there's no barricade. Yeah. Just, or like house shows. Yeah, exactly. Like it's and like when it's packed and it's just fucking going off, you're like, all right, this is fucking like, those shows are way cooler because people go way harder at those shows. Yeah. Or like you're just there with like all your friends getting <laughs> just hanging out, drinking and having a good time. Mm-hmm. Like the 105 in Naperville. That's a fucking sick venue. Have not played that yet. Ev- so many, like, I think every, I was talking to Armin from uh, Tonson and he was saying how that venue is sick, but like you get more than 30 people in there and it's, it's brutal. Oh yeah. So I was like, dude, I, I'm from the Naperville, like Aurora area. I could get 30 people in there by myself. Yeah, totally. I'm pretty like portals plays there uh, within destruction played there. Yeah. Both those like, it's like a one-off show, which was weird. Yeah. They have, yeah, I have seen like bigger bands there and I'm like, what the fuck in Naperville? Cause have yeah. you ever been to Naperville? I've been to, yeah. Yeah. Naperville is not, <laughs> it's not a town that hosts metal shows. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty, I mean, I'm from Cary. I don't know if you know where that is, but I don't, it's tiny. It's right by Crystal Lake. It's like so you're 20 minutes from Algonquin. Yeah, it's it's a really small town. Right. Uh, no, I have not gone up that far. I haven't really gone. We were gonna move to uh, the practice space because Leo was talking, or the property manager and also guy drummer in Lumiel had them on a couple a uh, couple weeks ago. Good news before the COVID nineteen pandemic. <laughs> Leo had a new spot opening up and we were going to go up north. I think it was, I say up north to the tundra to like Huntley or something. Like it was like 15 minutes north. Uh, and it may, I don't think he said carry cause that doesn't sound right. So, but anyway, I've never really gone much past Algonquin. So I don't know too much of what's up there, but, uh, Mm-hmm. I've never actually, we say, it's weird. We say we're from Algonquin because that's where we practice. Yeah. Never once played a show in Algonquin. Yeah, I feel like most bands in this area just say they're from Algonquin for that reason. Like, we all practice in Algonquin, so. Right. And it's, um, there's a couple cover bands that practice in, uh, um, at the Loud Feather with us, and we talk to them every now and then. Yeah, Modern Day Romeos. Yeah, uh, I've never actually talked to them. You know, uh, the keyboardist of Modern Day Romeos, he owns uh, Waysound Studio, which is where Triguna records. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Oh, small world. Uh, I don't think I've ever talked to them. I know they park all their shit there. Um, yeah, I always see it there. Yeah, but I, I've, I don't think I've ever actually had a conversation with them that... I don't know when we only practice like two days a week. So Um, I'm trying to find something else here that I found on the resuscitate page. Do you, okay. So yeah, that's actually something I wanted to ask you Do when you write all this music or at least uh, at least the EP that uh, Triguna put out, is that like a whole concept EP? Cause it all just sort of flows together, right? Yeah. So uh, Triguna's albums, at least all the ones that I've been a part of have been, concept albums in the sense that they all flow as one song um, and they all revolve around one lyrical concept. I've kind of done the same with Resuscitate. I released a full length at the end of last year that's like an hour long, just one big song. 
Um, that's all like all around one lyrical concept. Just dream theatered it. Like, fuck it, we're going to yeah, go. Yeah, pretty much. 12-minute song. It'll be the EP, but yeah. also one song. Keep it that. Yeah. We're trying to... The Arabella's goal is to... So we're putting out just, you know, melodic post-hardcore music. Uh, the next record mm-hmm. will be, you know, probably follow the same suit. But then at some point, we want to do like a five-song EP where it's just like just <laughs> some heavy hardcore music. Just really angry, yeah. pissed-off music. And like... Oh yeah, that'd be sick. Just like a like, just out of nowhere. I think that would be awesome. Like, just this people are like, oh shit, yeah, this melodic sing songy hardcore band put this uh, put this EP out. Let me check it out. It's just fu- it's brutal. <laughs> like, holy shit! Yeah, that'd be awesome. I think I love when bands do shit like that. Not that uh, not that mm-hmm. the zombie EP by Prana was like a, a genre jump or anything. I just, yeah. the idea of how like that album is, that EP is just like its own kind of standalone entity. It's just all about zombies. Yeah. It has nothing to do with, you know, uh, like their message. It's just a really cool fucking concept EP. So. Yeah, that's one of my favorite metalcore albums, like in general. Dude, that's my, I, that is argue. I mean, people probably get pissed off at me for saying this, but uh I think that's their best work. That not to say that. Oh, I agree totally. Not to say that anything they did prior to that is shit by any means or anything like that. I just think that that is like, fuck. Those songs are every single one of them, amazing front to back. That is just. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really feel that way about EPs too much. Uh, mm-hmm. Usually more like albums. Like, I don't know how you feel about this, but I was. Uh, I've been jamming As I Lay Dying's newest album lately, the one they put out in like 2018 or 19, whenever, whenever that was. Yeah. I, it's still a banger. <laughs> I fucking, I can't stop listening to it. It's so good. I've never actually got into them. Really? Yeah. For me, like my introduction to like metal core was like All That Remains, Slam of God. But all that, As I Lay Dying never really like... Like I'd heard them, but mm-hmm. like they never really stood out to me that much. I don't know why. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm definitely in the same boat. Uh, I kind of, I grew up on like all that fucking dad rock. Like I, Metallica was like my first metal band I ever heard. And was like, holy shit, this is game changing. And, you know, from there yeah. I went to like Disturbed and uh, System of a Down. Mm. And I just kind of worked my way up the ladder sort of. Uh, but I remember the first like metalcore tour I went to that really got me into all this music. And it was, uh, this was this is to this day, and I've seen Slayer and Megadeth and and Testament. That like that show was fucking ridiculous. But uh, it was Killswitch headlining. It was supposed to be As I Lay Dying, but then Tim Lambesis did all that shit. Uh, so they replaced them with the Word Alive, Miss May I, and Miss May I had just put out At Heart. Uh, yeah. And I fucking love that record. I know, I've heard some people shit on it. I fucking love that record. Um, Darkest Hour and Defiance. Dude, that shit was holy fuck. It was so cool. And Killswitch had just put out Disarm and Descent. Um, yeah. Right? Isn't that the record? Yeah. No, that's definitely that's definitely the record that they... Uh, that's, that's the one with Always on it, right? I believe so. Okay. Uh, they just put out that, uh, and like Jesse had just come back into the, into the picture. Uh, and that show was fucking sick. But, um, 
so I started getting into metalcore around that time and I had heard a couple of as I lay dying songs and I, uh, didn't really know, I wasn't really in the scene or in the metalcore scene or anything like that. So I didn't really know that Tim and Beasts had done that and that as I lay dying was broken up because of that. So I found that out like a year or two later. Really? But, uh, yeah. So, um, so then, you know, when he gets out of, he got out of prison and it was super controversial that he joined back up with the band and everybody wanted to fucking hate that single. And it was just like, I, even I listened to this cause I was like, Oh yeah, fuck that guy. Uh, when I, you know, when I found out, you know what he did, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's okay, how cool. I found out about it as I lay dying. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's <laughs> brutal. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, before he did that, they made some cool music, but like you, I never really like sat down and gave their whole discography a listen. And then they put out that new shit and that new single. And I was like, I'm fucking into this, this song rips. And that album came out and it was so, so good. I just instant fan. And I went back. Like I, I, I might need to listen to it. I'd heard some, uh, it's, it's amazing. Like it's just good metalcore. It's, it's mm -hmm. like, and I'm not so much like, yeah, Tim, I'm just like, you know, the rest of those guys, like, think about that. Like, that dude, you know, because what he did, he fucked the lives of, like, I think it's four, there's four other dudes in that band. You know, he fucked them. They went and started Woven War, and Woven War didn't get, you know, as popular as I think they wanted to, or not nearly as popular, obviously, as uh, as I Lay Dying. And yeah, who knows? They may have just been doing that as, uh, as something to tie them over until they could figure all this As I Lay Dying stuff out. But, um, you know, so I'm happy that they're, that the other guys are able to get back and do this because, you know, I don't think that's fair to them to have as they lay dying taken away from them from four other people as well. So I think yeah. it's cool that they're back out there and doing shit. You know, I think that, you know, Tim did his time. He came out. It's fucked up what he did. I'm totally not excusing it, but I just think mm -hmm. that the band makes good music and I, I just leave it at that. Like I just try to leave it at that. Yeah. Um, I, I feel that way with a bunch of artists. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm just like, you know, the music that they made was good. It sucks that they turned out to be like a shitty fucking person, but the music that they make is good. So I just, yeah. Yeah. Fo focus right on that. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of somebody else that this is like, I don't really have anybody coming to mind. Um, uh, Varg with mayhem and Burzum. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I may be thinking of something different. What's that story? Varg was the bassist of Mayhem. He killed their guitarist. Oh, and ate him, um, right? He didn't eat him, but he uh, he did he did murder him, and then he went to jail for like uh, I think fifteen years. He got out, and now he's a YouTuber and he's racist. I do. I I remember that because they made a movie about it, right? Yeah, Lords of Chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yep. That's that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, dude, and uh, uh, I'm pretty sure, when did this happen? This was in, like, 93. Okay. There was, uh, back in, I want to say, like, 2010, maybe 2009, there was a documentary that came out by a guy called, uh, his name was Sam. I forget his last name. Uh, it was called uh, Metal Evolution or something like that. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Dude, that was one of the coolest fucking documentaries. And I thought that he was just going to stick to like 80s bands. But what he did, it was like a whole 11 part series. And like, it was yeah. so dope. He like started, he like went back and he was like, let's 
you know, and he got like all these roots from like bluegrass and he was talking to jazz players and like, you know, he was fine because uh, his whole kind of bridge in, into this, like the first episode was he was like Black Sabbath he used a lot of like jazz and uh, like uh, bluesy type shit, you know, and they just kind of turned it around and made it a little more uh, heavy. And, uh, yeah. you know, so he was doing all that and he started with those bands and then he, you know, eventually made his way up. But anyway, what I'm getting at is he... I think at one point he does talk about the mayhem incident yeah. because he's like talking with a, uh, he's talking with a, somebody in like a Norwegian death metal band. Yeah. And every time he talks to this dude, the guy just takes a sip of wine and he just says Satan. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. And I, I've seen that. Yeah. And Sam is like looking at the camera like, okay. <laughs> Uh, so what's your next album about? And he says, the devil. Like, all, right, all right, moving on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, dude, I forgot about that documentary. I, that, that was a, that was a cool fucking documentary. I, I remember being like, I was like 16, just staying up late as fuck, uh, on, it was like VH1 classics or something like that. I don't mm -hmm. remember what music channel that was on. I saw with direct TV, but, uh, that was the coolest fucking documentary. I wish somebody would do something like that with like a little more modern heavy music, you know, like bring some of the do from like 2000 to now. Um, yeah. Because like music's changed so much in 20 years. I mean, yeah. Perfect example. I was just watching, uh, do you know the band Goldfinger? Uh, yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. Uh, they sing that song Superman. Mm -hmm. Uh, they just did like a, uh, Basically, because they're quarantined, they all covered the song or cover. They all played the song Superman, and it was really, really dope. I was fucking digging that. Um, but just you know, like how punk music has changed, how fucking metal music has changed. It's all like you go back and you listen to shit. Go back and listen to like a Day to Remember's first record, and like listen to the production quality and like the song composition, and compared to like bands now, like shit your mixes are better than some of like the biggest bands of the early two thousands. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. just how people have learned to really hone in the craft. And now you have bands putting out shit that you're like, Oh, this sounds like, you know, really legit. Who, who did it? They mentioned like some no name guy, some, you know, or some small producer, or they just did it themselves. Yeah. You know? And, uh, I think that's a huge tool to really utilize. If you can, if you've got someone mm -hmm. in the band that is, you know, studio friendly, uh, you know, in any way, shape or form, they just, they know how to, you know, they know how music's supposed to be composed. They know how it's supposed to sound, the levels and everything like that. I don't know dick about record. I have like such a basic knowledge of production, post-production recording, you know, sound engineering, everything. Uh, mm -hmm. and it's crazy. Like with Joe, how, you know, Joe just knows exactly where everything goes, fixes everything. Yeah. It's just a lot to remember. So, I mean, like kudos to you, dude, for being able to do that. But what I'm saying is I think that, you know, having you in Triguna, having you, you know, do all your own stuff for Recess State and being fluent in being able to record yourself properly is huge. And I think every band, that's, that's, that's a tool that if you as a band or a musician can utilize that, I think you're set. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest tools you can have in your arsenal. We haven't had a full band practice in like a month and a half. Yeah, same. Feels 
feels like fucking forever since. And no, but none of us live in Algonquin. None of us live near Algonquin. Everyone's at least an hour to an hour and a half away from Algonquin. Twice a week, we make that drive. So it's nice. Again, like the quarantine has some positives. And one of the positives is I'm not, you know, blowing a shitload of gas going up there and coming back technically four times a week. Uh, that drive at least, but, um, you know, I miss fucking practicing. I miss playing all these songs. I miss, I miss it, man. It sucks. Yeah, I totally get I that. I really want this to fucking, uh, to, to end. And Wisconsin just extended their, uh, their stay at home order until the 26th of May. And Illinois has more deaths and more cases. So I'm going to bet that we're probably going to end up going till the end of, uh, the end of May as well. Oh yeah, totally. I I totally see that. Which, you know, in terms of, I guess in terms of our release date and stuff, yay. But, uh, yeah, like we can't tour right now. We can't, you know, we or mm-hmm. honestly, probably the rest of the year. If you know, they may not allow bands from other states to come to certain clubs to play. So I, yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen. It's super discouraging to see people come out and say that, you know, shows and tours aren't really going to resume to normalcy until fall of 2021. I mean, I think the guy that said that is over-exaggerating a little bit. I hope he is. I think that was that. I read that article. I think that was more so talking about, like, bigger, like, like United Center size shows, like that type of thing. I think, like, club shows with, like, 500 capacity isn't going to think that'll come back sooner. I hope so. I 100% agree. I just don't want like, I don't want them to go. All right. So, you know, like, let's just say bottom lounge. Uh, they're like a five, 600 cap venue, you know, it'd be, oh, it would suck if they're like, all right, we can only allow, you know, if they go around and they, the, you know, they say, all right, businesses and venue owners and everything like you can only allow in half of whatever your capacity is, you know, just some mm-hmm. dumbass law like that, that would fucking suck. Uh, yeah, that would be stupid. But then, I mean, could you consider it a sellout? <laughs> you like, go to like a hundred cap room, bring like 25, 30 people. Technically, yeah. we sold it out. I mean, you know, according to the government's rules, we sold it out, man. Yeah. We're famous. So what do you guys have, you know, kind of planned? I mean, what's your guys' plan? Traguna primarily just resuscitate. Obviously, you guys aren't, you're, you guys, you are not out playing shows with resuscitate, so... Uh, with Triguna, I mean, what do you guys have planned to kind of, after all this, like, what are you guys looking to do? Uh, we're making an EP at the end of the year and it's going to be kind of, kind of different from what we normally do. We normally do like progressive stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're going to go like straight brutal death metal just for the hell of it. All right. Um, so that'll be fun doing like a really raw, like nineties death metal type thing. I mean, how many songs are you guys doing? Cause I think the last one was like four. It was three right? songs on the last one for this one. It's, I'm not actually sure how we're going to do this. Um, or what this is really going to be. Cause it's like, we don't, we have one song kind of written. Um, but we don't, we're recording it at the end of the year. I should clarify. Um, Oh, I say okay. But it's there's nothing like really set in stone besides just we're doing something heavier than normal. Is this something that like 
I mean, you guys seem to have a decent <clears throat> like social media following, at least on uh, Facebook. Is this kind of something that you want that the band's wanting to be able to put out, shop around, kind of use like, hey, like are you guys sending this to people or just putting it out to put out? We're kind of just not not even sure really. Um because a lot of our music, like before this album, has been like really niche, like just really weird music that doesn't appeal to most people, which is fine. But um like the the old school, like brutal caveman sure. knuckle dragging death metal kind of <laughs> has like a has a market yeah. nowadays. Yeah. So like I feel like that's something that would appeal to more people. Sure. You just, yeah, you're trying to reinvent, not necessarily reinvent the wheel, but just kind of reinvent your wheel. Like just reevaluate, yeah. go back and fix it and figure out where, you know, I guess how to make it more appealing. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, dude, that's sick. That's, that's really all you can. How long do you guys like spend in the studio doing that? Studio, it actually, it always goes really fast when we record because we get everything planned out. Okay, um, that's what I was going to ask. Like, do you guys have like full, complete songs written when you go in there or do you just like go in there and you're like, hey, oh, yeah, I have this riff and we have a drum part, but that's it. Yeah, no, we, we write everything out in Tux Guitar, which is basically just Guitar Pro, but free. Um, and we get everything structured out. We practice it. We, we, because we play live to a, to a click track. So we already have like everything set up in like a in a Reaper project, and then um, gotcha. we record. Oh shit! You guys, uh, you guys use uh, Reaper too? Yeah, that's what we use. Jinx. Uh, I actually the, <laughs> the our producer that did this our record. Uh, we told him that we just track our stuff. We don't like put anything out using this DAW, but we just. Uh, uh, we just track scratch tracks and shit in Reaper. Mm -hmm. Don't have Pro Tools, the industry standards, and, and our, the mix assistant and the producer were just giving us shit for it. Because uh, <clears throat> they're like, you know, Reaper's just like the baloney <laughs> to them of <laughs> uh, recording DAWs. But the first Arabella record that we did, all done on Reaper. Mm -hmm. All mixed, mastered, everything in Reaper. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's like the most popular. Like all my uh, resuscitate mixes are Reaper. Like... Um, if you can work it, it's, I think it sounds great. I think to like real engineers, I think there's a lot, it's, there's a lot of debate with it. Mm -hmm. People, people go back and forth. Uh, I definitely don't think anyone says that. I mean, I'm sure people do, but I haven't really seen the argument saying that Reaper is better than pro tools because we were thinking about getting pro tools to you, like just to buy and use. And then like, it was, you know, they come out with an update every two months, you know, all the time. And it's, it's like, so holy shit, we got to drop like 50 bucks every time that comes out. I mean, there are people, you know, they're probably engineers that are going to listen to this and go, yes, <laughs> get it. You fucking idiot. Get rid of Reaper. Yeah. But, no, no, I like Reaper. I'm familiar with it. It's, it, it. It gets the job done. Like it's, you know, we don't need Pro Tools to record scratch tracks, you know, just to send back and forth to edit amongst the five of us. Um, like Joe uses Pro Tools. He's probably listening to this going, he fucking chumps. But uh, <clears throat> I've, uh, 
I have no beef with Pro Tools. But then again, I'm not an audio engineer, so I don't know all the ins and outs and inner workings and pitfalls of each. I mean, in my opinion, I think it's just like whatever you're comfortable with is what you use because like Reaper doesn't sound any different than like Ableton or Pro Tools or whatever else exists. It's all just whatever you're comfortable with. And I used Reaper first, so that's kind of like just what I learned my way around. That's, yeah, same. I mean, <clears throat> when we started... uh what we the band known by numbers the uh way back when six years ago we were tracking everything in reaper very poorly and then uh trying to mix it and master it and ourselves mm-hmm. and then put it out uh so from then on we all just learned on reaper just learned how to figure it out you know didn't really use any other daw just straight up use that yeah and we've been using that ever since I mean, it's a great DAW, so... Yeah, it's it's really convenient. Um, I I don't have any knocks against it, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Fuck the haters. Do you guys use this track? you want to use, uh, like, backtracks or anything live? Or yeah, guys, we... It's just all raw. Because we play to uh, the click track live because we have, like, okay. synths or bass drops or whatever. Right. So, are you guys... You may have just said this, and I apologize if you did. So then do you run that through Reaper then? Yeah, that goes through Reaper. Uh, okay. And then I have in-ears. That, so I play to the click track, and everybody else plays to me. That's smart. I mean, it, in-ears are a bitch and a half to figure out. I mean, we just got on them. Mm-hmm. But not the professional way. We kind of found like a back doorway. We Yeah, no, that's what, that's what we're doing. Yeah, like <clears throat> we just don't – I don't – I don't have $1,500 to go blow on like my own individual set. Yeah. And like a group sets like, Jesus Christ, it's like three grand Mm -hmm. at that point. I'd rather just get a fucking Kemper and just keep doing with what we're doing now. You know what I mean? Like just get a fucking rack system at that point. Like, which is eventually the move. But, uh, I really like, I do still really like, you know, just the raw sound I get. I, I completely, I'm not knocking having Kempers or Axe Effects or anything like that. We're eventually going to do it. Uh, it's just, I think that uh, there's merit in having like that really raw sound. Our This EP we're about to put out, we didn't build any of the tones digitally or anything like that. We just played around with different heads and cabs, actual, you know, live shit and did it that way. Mm. I think it sounds fucking incredible. Uh, you uh, you kind of just, you know, it's the whole analog digital argument, but... Yeah, uh, both have you know both both you know both have their fucking merits, but I've always been a fan of doing it that way, mm-hmm. um, or doing it uh, analog. The first record we did was digital, and that was cool. Getting to like build tones using the Kemper, like we had never used Kempers before, so uh, we were all kind of a little stupid at it, but you know whatever. Um, but it was cool. Uh, but I think someday we'll probably get on the Kempers and we'll get. Uh, We'll just get shit going that way. But for now, the raw sound is is really nice. We do use backtracks. Uh, just like we don't use any synth or strings or anything like that. Uh, if there's just like a reverb that needs to be on the vocal parts, we'll put that in. Uh, if there's like an extra guitar part where it just kind of adds a little bit, you know, it makes the part a little more interesting, fills it out a little bit more. Uh, I do most of the rhythm stuff, so... If there's like, there's a, in one of our songs, there's a breakdown that we do. And uh, my guitarist and I are playing something different. 
Uh, and just to kind of, you know, make it a little bit more meaty, we just added into the backtrack slot. We just added another rhythm guitar behind there just to make it sound a little more, yeah. a little more thick. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, so, but dude, holy shit, we've had the first show that we played with in-ears was in December. That was in sub T, that was upstairs sub T. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm thinking, because I know people that have the full four grand set and their in-ears fuck up. Mm-hmm. It's not a it's it's not a uh, foolproof system. Like no matter what level you have, at some point they're gonna fuck up. Yeah. Uh, so I'm thinking, dude, these are gonna I'm gonna lose the click, or the guitar is gonna be all fucked up. And uh, th- thank thankfully, Austin, our bass player, is he's like our en- uh, sound engineer, so he he's able to you know communicate with the sound guy. And, so we can get our live tracks also in our uh, in our ears, which was oh, that was game changing, honestly. Um, so we had everything in our ears, and it went flawlessly. We never lost a click. We uh, everything stayed in our ears. Everything, all the levels were correct. It was great. Show was fucking sick. Cut to the end of February, and we're downstairs sub T. Uh, <laughs> Every like 45 seconds, <laughs> all that clicks, tracks, all of it, at least in our ears, front of house, it was fine, but at least in our ears, it would just go out. Yeah. And then it like, <laughs> it was, it was kind of cool though. Cause it was a <clears throat> kind of an intimate show. We played late at night on like a Sunday, you know, uh, bunch of people stuck around just to see us. And I mean, it, it wasn't like the end of the world. You know, we weren't freaking out. We were just kind of laughing about it. Like, all right, of course, <laughs> why, why the fuck wouldn't this be happening? Uh, uh, but I mean, we were able to stay on time. You know, it's, it's not a big deal. You just, the more, you know, the more often you practice, yeah, the, you know, the more, just the more in sync you become with everyone, which I think is key. Like, don't get on. I think, and I think a lot of people would attest to this, don't get on backtracks right away with your band. I think that there's merit in being able to vibe off of everybody and kind of getting that uh, live chemistry down Mm -hmm. before you start relying on backtracks. Like learn to rely on each other first before you get on backtracks. Yeah. That's just kind of what, I mean, it's not like we really had a choice but to do that, but I think that because of that, it's helped. Like uh, Chris Austin and I have been jamming together We've been in the same band together for six years now. Uh, Giovanni's been in for four, and Nate just got in this past. We've traded drummers very often. It's whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Nate got in just pretty recently. But you know, it's nice because we all have that chemistry. I mean, you know what that's like. Like when you're jamming with people, you're like, oh, I just, I fucking get it. You yeah, know, like you just yeah. sync up like that. Uh, I think that's key to have before you get on backtracks and start relying on backtracks because if you're and relying on a click track, uh, if you're able to rely on one, I mean, obviously always have the drummer on a click track, but once you kind of get that vibe going, you just throw the click in there and it just, it's like that cherry on top. Yeah. You know, we're so much tighter. Every break, every pause, every chug, everything right on time. Mm-hmm. So I love them. Uh, we've definitely run it where it's like, just the drummer on in-ears and if that's your only thing that you're able to do fucking do it because if your drummer's on time and the rest you know everyone else can follow the drummer you're good 
Yeah. It is the only thing – I have weird pet peeves, but the only thing – and it's not even that big of a deal because bands do it all the time of all levels. I'm sure you guys probably have it where, like, there's a break in your recorded – studio versions of your songs mm-hmm. where maybe it's just guitar or it's just bass or it's just vocals going, but there's no drums to keep the tempo. Yeah. That's the only time where like, I love, cause we have a lot of those and having the click is so nice. Uh, cause then our drummer doesn't have to sit behind us and just keep, you know, it's yeah, which yeah, it's an, you know, sometimes it can be an extra thing where it's just a little white noise in the background for a lot of the stuff that we do when, when we have those, breaks and those pauses and those ring outs and we have something that like you know a vocal part or a guitar part that's uh, doesn't have drums behind it uh it's having that click in is just really really nice so that our drummer doesn't you know it, I, it just makes it sound more like the studio recorded version and i'm anal about that i'm always like let's try and do that so mm-hmm. you know it's a good time though uh, I miss playing shows so fucking much. I want to get back out and do it again. I really hope our EP release show takes off because if it if it gets pushed push back again, that'll fucking suck. So I'm hoping that, because that's a 300 cap room, mm-hmm. and I really wanted a 300 cap room uh, or less because um, I just think that, uh, like I said in the beginning, I think that those smaller venues are just, the sh- like they're really pack fun. those in. Yeah, and like narrow, like narrow but deep venues where it's you know the room goes way far back, but it's pretty narrow, like Beat Kitchen or Sub T yeah. or uh, uh, you ever played uh, Shubas? You ever been to Shubas? I've never even heard of that. Oh, dude, check out Shubas. It's like part of the Lincoln Hall, but I it's not attached to the Lincoln Hall. I think they're just affiliated with one another. Shubas in Chicago. Uh, it's S C H U B A A B A S, uh, fucking dope venue. Probably, probably about the size of beat kitchen. Honestly, mm-hmm. uh, I think the stage is a little bit bigger, but I'm pretty sure it's a 300 to 400 cap room. Uh, we've played there once. I've been to two shows there, dude, that place is sick. I, that was like, I wanted our EP release show to be there because mm-hmm. that place is dope. Uh, when everything opens back up, you should look at getting, one of your bands, uh, a fucking show there. I, I'm, I'm going to look into it. Uh, Shuba's is, cannot recommend Shuba's enough. I, th- I think that they're, they're a venue that doesn't get enough mainstream, mainstream, like enough main scene stream attention. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people know about it, but it, it, you know, it's not as popular as like bottom lounge or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think Shuba's is dope. Uh, anyway, if everything does open back up, That'll kind of be around the time I think that people will, you know, be like, I want to do something. I've been cooped up in the house. Uh, I'm hoping that that's the mentality. Yeah. Uh, and that the show can actually happen because we're trying to sell it out. That would be sick. Mm-hmm. So anyway, sorry to talk about Arabella and our plans for when all this shit's going. No, you're good. This is this is about your podcast. This is, this is your episode. Um. So kind of moving forward, I guess you said you've got how many EPs written for resuscitate? Uh, right now. So for 2020, I have a series of EPs planned that are all like tied to one concept. Um, there's five of them coming out this year. I just released the second one, uh, like five days ago. Um, 
and I'm currently finishing up writing the third one. So it's kind of just like a, I write very fast. I was gonna say you you seem like you would have to, given how often yeah you do and plan to put out music. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also like a lot of bands, they write a bunch of material and then they only end up using a handful of it. But I don't like doing that. I kind of use almost everything I write. So like, if you get, obviously, you write six songs. Do you ever like? Mm -hmm. So do you just like write them all out? go back and listen to them and kind of make edits through there, splice and do all that kind of shit? What I do is I'll finish writing a song, then I'll pull up my my project file and I'll put the song in and I'll record it. Or I'll record the guitars and then program drums and do bass. So I'll have the instrumental done. And then I more so think of how can I change this now that it's recorded. Like I'll do a lot of like splicing of guitar parts to to add effects or add like an orchestral section or whatever. Oh, dude, I was just talking about this with, uh, I had the band Archers on uh, recently. I was just talking about them with this. You ever like, you get the full product done, record it. You're like, oh, good, this sounds great. Mm -hmm. And then you play it over and over and over and over again, you know, just practice shows, whatever. Yeah. And then <laughs> by the time, you know, a year goes by and you're like, dude, I have... Like I, like you've just played with the song so much that you're like, man, I've already written like three different parts that could have gone in all of these songs and made them so much better. Like what the oh, fuck? Oh, 100%, like it, 100%. And one of the things that I, this is kind of a, a dumb thing, but um, since like when I started Resuscitate, that's when I started like taking guitar seriously and taking mixing seriously. And sure. so like the first uh, two full length albums. I'm actually, I'm completely remixing those and I'm going to change a bunch of stuff. And then I'm just kind of, kind of like delete the originals from the internet and replace them with the redone versions. Now that I kind of like know how I want them to sound. Sure. Uh, and I guess that's probably the nice thing about <laughs> being kind of your own boss with all this is that you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you want. Uh, do you ever do like any kind of re-releases, remixes or anything like that? Well, that's, I haven't done that yet, but that's what I'm planning. So once I finish the series of EPs for this year, I'm releasing all of them remixed as a full-length album, like all put together, um, mainly just for like marketing purposes. But uh, alongside of those, I'm remixing my first two albums and releasing those. Does Draguna uh, do anything like that? Like, do you guys... Uh ever go back and do shit like that no um and that's mainly due to jeremy um <laughs> he kind of wants us to i mean i could be totally wrong but uh it, he and this isn't a negative thing he wants things to like okay they're done they're done like sure um because he jeremy's heavily influenced by jazz so he improvises a lot of stuff anyway um so like nothing's ever gonna be the same like when we play live, like his solos are always different. Like, really? Yeah. Man, that is the definition of jazz. Mm hmm. <laughs> and that, like, if, if you told him that, he would probably come in his pants. Like, <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Do you guys have anything like show wise planned? Not right now. No, we're taking a break to write. Okay. We did have a show planned actually three days from today, but obviously it got canceled. So, where at? 
Uh, bourbon, bourbon on division. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. It's bourbon, a, I think it's bourbon on division. Where, yeah. Where's that at? It's in somewhere in Chicago. I'm not exactly sure. What else? I mean, are you doing anything else? Are you trying to, are you trying to join another band? Well, the goal is to eventually make resuscitate kind of my main thing. Um, just by kind of doing like, I would be the vocalist live um, and then have like an instrumental band. That just comes in place? Yeah, just for live shows. Okay. Because um, I like having that control when it comes to writing in the studio. Sure. Like I've always liked being able to write my own stuff. Because I'm, I'm in another, I'm in like 20,000 fucking bands. Um, yeah, you're, not, you're up here giving Matt Lathan shit. Yeah, <laughs> you're no, over here in like four different bands. Yeah, when I was, uh, I, I'm in a project, it's a brutal death metal band called She Ate a Scorpion. Um, yeah. And I wrote almost everything. Um, it's a two-piece band, so it's me and my best friend on guitar. Um, and I kind of, that was like the first thing I really wrote. Like I did like, I mean, it, was, it wasn't was really like music because it was just like caveman knuckle-dragging brutal death metal. But yeah. Um, like ever since then, like I've kind of just wanted to actually write music music. So that was kind of like the, where I went from that. And then I just realized that I like working on my own. Yeah. I'm, I absolutely believe that there's merit to be, uh, to do that. Just make sure that obviously you, that's talked about up front. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was in a band before known by numbers was even a thing. I was like 20, 21, uh, where, I joined the band and it was kind of like an unspoken thing that the vocalist wrote all the music mm -hmm. and absolutely not was anyone to be allowed to, uh, help write music. Yeah. So, um, and the thing is he was a horrible singer. <laughs> like, he was a really bad singer and he was an even worse front man. Like just stage. It was just like the most awkward 30 minutes every time we play a set. And like the music itself was good. Like the instrumentals were great. He mm -hmm. was a good, he could write music. Yeah. Uh, but I think he just wanted to be Mike M in like the worst. Cause that's the type of music it was. Uh, -huh. uh he, I, he just wanted to be Gerard way, uh, in the worst fucking way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, he was so into them and this was like right after they had broken up or maybe mm -hmm. right before I don't uh, broken up when I'm whatever. Uh, so he was just like, you know, all about them and had a very specific vision and he was very intent on making sure that that vision came to life. And I just, he, he really could have just been like the guitarist. He could have played drums, bass, doesn't matter. He, he wrote all of it. I just don't know why he chose to, it's because somebody told him that he was an amazing vocalist and you know, so whatever. Anyway, it was like to the, but that was never clearly stated. Like it was not like when I joined the band, it was, that was not like, uh, in fact, it was like, yeah, dude, help with writing songs. Like send me something, you know, that you want to write. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, but like, you know, he'd never use it, you know, it'd be like, oh great. And then he'd just like delete it like immediately. Cause yeah, you know, so I, I, I think most people are pretty upfront about it when, you know, when they're like, Hey, this is kind of my project. You guys are just studio 
than live people. Oh yeah, like um, if I when I make resuscitate a live thing, I think I've I already kind of have people in mind that I've talked to, um, mm-hmm. and they're all like fully aware that like I would pay them because obviously like not everybody wants to play somebody else's music if they don't have right like so, and I'm totally upfront because. I don't want to treat people unfairly, you know, because music is something that people are supposed to get enjoyment out of, not something right. that people are supposed to like be forced to do. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if you want to write music, that's awesome. But this, you know, it's not really the project for you then. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's cool. If you have people that really want to do that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's really cool when, you know, you kind of bring your own vision to life. Uh, I'm sure that's really rewarding. I wish I had the, talent and patience to do that but alas i i don't uh i mean it's not for everybody sometimes like some people prefer just being in a full band i like the collaboration aspect Mm -hmm. Uh, i like you know i i like hearing things from a different perspective you know you can write a really rad song that you think is totally dope um but you know, if the rest, if the rest of the group is is either not feeling it or someone else brings something better to the table, you know, I like hearing that aspect because you know it's not it's yeah you know if if you write a song and the band's like yeah nah you know I'm like ah oh, fuck <laughs> like, bummer mm-hmm. but at the same time you know it's you know you're working together as a unit you know so it has to be whatever whatever's best for the music itself and if what you wrote isn't the best you know fucking tough shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I've always kind of liked that aspect of it. Yeah. But, um, and I think too, cause I was really turned off honestly to the idea of just one, you know, doing the whole nine inch nails kind of thing, uh, mm-hmm. because of, um, because of that dude, you know, cause I would write music and he, ne- you know, it never once was said to me, Hey, this is kind of like his thing, uh, you know, don't, you know, don't really contribute in, in writing. Like had that have been said in the beginning, you know, I honestly, I probably would have joined, but this, it just sucked. Like, Hey, here's a song. I just spent like, you know, two hours writing. Oh, dude, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And then he just yeah, get rid yeah. of it. Like, all right, dick. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's cool. He, uh, I don't really know what he does now, but when do you kind of plan to take resuscitate, uh, live? Oh, do you have kind of boy. a rough layout or is it just kind of up in the air until, I mean, everything's up in the air, but. You know, I'm what thinking was your original goal. So since uh, the beginning of 2019, I've released I released two albums in 2019, and I'm releasing like that series of EPs this year. They've all kind of. So do you know the video game Borderlands? Oh yeah, yeah. My so, roommate is obsessed with that. Okay, well then show him my band because <laughs> that's <laughs> uh, all the albums are concept albums about Borderlands. Um, no so okay. this series that I'm doing this year is kind of like wrapping that up. Um, and after I finish that, it'll be kind of like the end of the concept. So I thinking after the end of the year, I'm going to start talking to people, um, and trying to like actually at least get practices or whatever. Um, are you going to release this material or are you just going to kind of hold on to it and plan out the release and continue to make edits or, and figure everything out behind the scenes or just going to bam, once it's done, put it out. Well, the EPs are being released one at a time. Um, so sure. it's kind of like just throughout the year, like a lot of bands would release singles from their album that they're releasing. I'm just releasing entire segments of the album. 
So I mean, that's awesome. I, I've I've said this m- numerous times to people and on this podcast. Uh, I think that within five years, you're going to see albums in their entirety disappear. And I think that bands and artists once a month are just going to release a single with mm-hmm. a music video and just do that. Yeah. In 30 day intervals. And yeah. at the end of the year, tw- you know, you, you, you know, maybe you do that 10 months out of the year. And then that 11 month, you just put it's, it's a compilation album. It's, yeah. there you go. It's all the singles of the year on an, on the actual album. Then you put that out and it's kind of like the, you know, when bands release the deluxe version, uh, you know, and maybe the album's got like a couple more songs on there or whatever. Yeah. But like, I think um, because of the spirit box did that. I don't know if you've heard of yes, them. Yes. Yes. They're fucking sick. That's a prime time example. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just think that streaming, because of how, you know, accessible, you know, you don't have to go to the store yeah. and buy, you know, you don't have to go to Best Buy, you don't have to go to FYE or a record mm-hmm. store to get, you know, the band's new shit anymore. Yeah. It just f- takes you five seconds. Go to Spotify, go to Lit, get Apple, go to YouTube, go to anywhere. You can go to literally any streaming service and just whole album right there. You know, YouTube's free. Mm-hmm. Spotify, you pay ten bucks a month, or sometimes it's you know it's it's super cheap. Yeah, uh, you know for like everything. So music is so accessible that there that albums are truthfully physical album sales are obsolete right now. They are already obsolete. Yeah. I just think that I think that labels and bands and the music music industry as a whole hasn't collectively come together uh, and made the conscious decision to just say, okay, physical sales are clearly, you know, are obsolete. People just aren't really buying records in the numbers they were. Uh, And that may be because, you know, there may be that surprising number of people that still do buy physical records. I mean, we've played shows and tours and shit where people, you know, are like, hey, where can I find your music? And oh, Spotify, oh, Apple, you know, whatever. But then people do ask for a CD. So yeah. I mean, I personally still buy, like my car is filled to the brim with CDs. Like I, okay. I still, I mean, I use Spotify to discover new artists, but like usually if I like a band enough, I'll buy the CD or whatever. And I've done that before. Like, uh, it was 2017. It was the summer of 2017. And we were up in Michigan recording the first Arabella record. Mm-hmm. And while we were up there, Warp Tour was coming through. So it was like on, uh, we switched one of the days off that we had, mm-hmm. uh, for this day. So we could all go to warp tour. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went to like the Detroit, it was right outside the Pistons. It was in the Pistons, uh, basketball stadium parking lot. That was the first time I'd ever been to a warp tour that was not in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And I get why they stopped. I, I do like Illinois I think is probably like the Tinley Park. I think is probably I mean, you've been to Warp Tour, right? Yeah, I never actually went to the Tinley Park one. I went to Milwaukee. I I've been to Milwaukee too. Milwaukee's was pretty good, but when we were in Michigan, dude, there was nobody there. Really? I mean, like we got like so we got there early, like right at the beginning of the day, mm-hmm. uh, and there was a long line at one of the booths. We had already bought our tickets. Mm-hmm. And we literally, dude, like walked past that line because they were all, they all had to buy tickets. Walked past that line into the stadium, gave them our tickets, and we were in. It was a five minute ordeal. Uh, 
And there were a lot, don't get me wrong, there was a lot of people there, but like nowhere near the numbers of Tinley or Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, like, Milwaukee was always like really packed. Oh, banging, dude. Uh, in fact, the last warp tour, the last one, when Simple Plan was, I got to see Simple Plan. That was fucking cool. Uh, we went to Milwaukee. But uh, anyway, so um, total sidetrack. Uh, the, the last album, physical album I bought from a, a record ta- or a merch table was Carnifex's Slow Death. I think that album is amazing. I think that I've seen that band three times. Yeah, then. same. Carnif- they're, they're one of my favorite live bands, honestly. Yes. Oh, holy shit. I, dude, uh, the fucking uh, Squizgar dude is leaving. The blonde the the blonde guitar player really? he left. Yeah, he's not with them anymore. I didn't know uh, that. Or maybe it's or maybe it's the big fat guitar player. I, I don't know. It's that's me to say, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't know his name. Um Dude, but like just all the sickest music. So that was the first time I'd ever seen them. And my bass player, Austin, is big into, you know, death metal and and all that shit. And I never really got into it. Mm -hmm. Um, I appreciated it, but I never really got into it. And then he he was like, we went to Warp Tour and that was the year the Warp Tour was really heavy. They had like uh, After the Burial, Carnifex, they had like Hatebreed. They had had a bunch, like it was a really heavy year for Warp Tour, so... He was that like, was a dude. really good show. I remember that one. Dude, oh, holy shit. Um, and I didn't realize, like, I didn't really, I, I'd heard of Carnifex, but I didn't know how big of a following they truly had. Yeah. They had, next to Simple Plan, they had the biggest crowd by a mile. Oh, yeah. They were like, when I saw uh, at the Milwaukee date, um, they played right after Amir. On the same stage. Oh, sick. So at the time, I wasn't really that big into Amir, but Amir's crowd was like pretty big. Like it was extending pretty far back past where most mm-hmm. bands uh, at the monster stage, like where their crowd was. Yeah. But then they stopped. Everybody disappeared. And I was like, oh, is nobody going to watch Carnifex? And then it just like everybody that was at the entire like tour, like, Ram like crammed in to watch Carnifex and it was ridiculous, dude. It was like, uh, holy shit, <laughs> that was the best. I I ripped a. Uh, we were all smoking weed, just drinking. We're kind of pretty fucked up at this point, mm-hmm. and they came out. We were like, I was like, right, almost on the barricade, mm-hmm. and they uh, they came out and they opened with Dark Heart Ceremony. Yeah. Uh, I just, I was blown away. I couldn't fucking believe it. I was like, this is one of the tightest bands I've ever heard in my life. I went straight to their merch table after their show. I bought like a t-shirt and I bought, I was like, I want that record. Their drummer was there. I was like, dude, you're a fucking machine. Like you are ridiculous. Uh, I just think that band, I've seen this, I've seen them like three times since then. Uh, I saw them with uh, Whitechapel, Rings of Saturn, Entheos. You ever heard of Entheos? Yeah, I was, uh, I saw that tour at the Apollo Theater. I saw that tour at, uh, uh, it's the Forge. Um, uh, damn the Apollo Theater, but that was a big fucking show. Um, yeah. Yeah, dude, I, I thought Entheos was on, but that girl's got some fucking... Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> she is brutal. Yeah, I knew Entheos for a while. I had no idea they had a female vocalist. She's so good. 
Mm-hmm. Holy shit, she's so good. That whole band, I was just like, that whole lineup, I was like, this is this is not real. Holy fuck. Yeah. Uh, I also didn't know, I thought Rings of Saturn had like six people in their band. Yeah. They've got like four and one of them doesn't even tour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's like their guitar player. Yeah, Luca, guitar Lucas Mann right? doesn't tour. Yeah. Why is that? He just doesn't um, from what I am aware of, he was assaulted on tour. So it, oh. he kind of just stopped touring after that. Because one of the times I saw them, he was there. It was like the first time I saw them, uh, Lucas Mann was there. But when I saw them on that uh, Whitechapel tour, he wasn't. Assaulted? Why the? F- Why? I mean, I, I guess you ever heard the story about Matt Heafy and like one of the Trivium guitarists or someone else in the band I think it was like the manager was with them uh they all got jumped really they were like well, yeah they were like walking they were just walking I, I I don't even know where but they got jumped <laughs> somebody fucking jumped them that's ridiculous like two people yeah yeah and uh I just think that's crazy like I we've toured and gone to some sketchy areas before but like think we thankfully we've never been jumped mm-hmm. had somebody look in our van though that was weird yeah that was that was, that was a good time uh, but never, never been fucking jumped, <laughs> assaulted. Jesus, that's fucking trippy. I guess I don't know. I don't know if the, I would quit touring for that, but if it was bad enough, you know, maybe it's enough to make him say fuck this. I don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. I think he just took a break because he's back touring now. Oh, he is. Yeah. I see. I never really got into Rings of Saturn. I mm-hmm. respect their music. I get that they're you know their shit's impossible to to play. But yeah. Uh, I just, I, I guess I never really got into it. That's understandable. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of picky with like when it, when like my heavy music, uh, when it gets into like the really heavy, like death metal and like tech death and all the, all that, all the thousands of subgenres of death metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of picky with how it's like written, mm-hmm. how it's kind of structured. I think the reason I like Carnifex is because I, th- I kind of like how they incorporate it like, uh, like kind of some metalcore riffs and, and stuff sometimes. Yeah. Um, they, they, they don't do it like fluently, you know, they're not a metalcore band, but they, they kind of take that same vibe Yeah. and uh, kind of turn to their own thing. And I, I really like that. Like, like when they just really fucking let it ride. I don't know. I love that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with, uh, uh, as blood runs black. I think that, uh, they're, they're another one too that, that, uh, I really, really like. Yeah. But, yeah, man. I mean, whatever. Shows will shows will come back. We'll uh, hopefully all live happily ever after after this. Uh, let me see here. I mean, I don't really have anything else for you, man. All right. I do really, really appreciate you coming out here, though. Hell yeah, coming I appreciate. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. I'm, again, I'm sorry we kept having to reschedule. I'm glad we finally got to do this. Yeah, man. All right, dude. Well, I appreciate it. Take it easy. You too.